It's time for The Car Doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's The Car Doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. And good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, The Spirit of Boston. Maybe you're listening on 100.3 FM. Maybe you're listening on the stream on WROLradio.com. Maybe you're listening on iHeartRadio. You can, you can listen to us all kinds. Of, you can find podcasts all over the place and in different places, so you can always find all of that as well. So there's plenty of plenty of places to listen to us and, and find out what's going on and uh, just... Uh, uh, talk to us about what's on your mind. Uh, Dennis is in the studio. Say hello, Dennis. 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 Hello. Hello, Dennis. Oh, there we go. There we go. I was a little worried for a minute. And it helps uh, if I put up the pot. There you go. Yeah, just so people and and uh, by pot you mean it's a controller that adjusts volume of things. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but also, uh, I'm not in the studio, and you wonder why, because, you know, people that have listened to the program for a long time know I have a little cottage on Cape Cod in Dennisport, and we had a hurricane, and not a hurricane, a tornado. Who knew Cape Cod gets tornadoes? Uh, but uh, I came down here last night to see what's going on, and it may get a little bit noisy because I noticed a neighbor was having a... Uh, a big tree cut down that was leaning on his house. So I went down to talk to the tree guy to see about, I have a lot of stuff all over my yard. A tree came down in my yard. Good news is it didn't hit the house. Bad news is, well, it's all over the place. So I'm talking talking to him about having uh, uh, getting that taken care of, and uh, that's going to happen. So you may hear the sound of chainsaws and chippers during the, during the program this morning. So I apologize for that. Well, I always like stories of entrepreneurs and people that uh, change with the times and try to do different things. And with us on the phone is Gene Cortez. He is uh, he he owns a body shop out in New York, and uh, I know Gene kind of a little ways through his daughter, who uh, was who did PR for a bunch of different companies, including Quicks, who uh, made a, a really good headlight cleaner and scratch remover. And uh, she sent me a note about her dad's body shop. And it's kind of interesting because he had a body shop, but he wanted to find a better way to keep track of all the work he did within the shop. Gene, good morning, and welcome to the Car Doctor program here in Boston. Good morning, Dennis. How are you? Well, this is actually John, not Dennis, but it's okay. Oh, I'm, I, uh, that's, that's all right. That's that's all right. Good. Um, the uh, you know uh, you know tell us a little bit about you've been in the body business for how long? I've been in this business since 1971, quite a, quite a bit. And uh, yes, I started back in the early stages. I've been uh, I also worked as an insurance adjuster for different insurance companies as an independent appraiser, and now presently I own Clarkstown International Coalition in Manier, New York, and through the, through the years and all that running my body shop, I decided to put this program together called My Shop Traffic, 
which is working pretty good and lets me track every single thing in the shop. And, you know, using all the management programs, I found out that they were good, but not necessarily what a body shop really needs. There was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of things there that were not necessary. We, we yeah. just don't need them. We don't use them. So why, why have, why pay for something that you're not using? Pay for what you need and what you use and what's going to be profitable to your business. And well, that, this is. That makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense, and the idea of the body shop business. When you started back in 1971, it was it was a whole different business back then. You 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 probably, you, oh, yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. you you maybe didn't even you probably didn't have a fancy paint booth back then. You know, you just ordered pots, and you know they they ended up. You could probably see all the jobs you were working on because you probably just you were out in the shop all the time. You looked around and said, "Oh, we need to get a fender for this. We need to we need to get trim for this. We need to get glass for this." And it was a whole different a whole different way to do business back then, right? Totally, totally different. I mean, it's uh, it's done uh, since then. It's done. I would say uh, a three sixty, to say the least. And the way cars have changed, uh, technology and everything else, it's just totally, totally different. You can't, you know, you could say I've been in this business for 30 years, 40 years. I know what I'm doing. Well, guess what? Things have changed, so you have, you have to keep up with the times. And, and this is, it's more about technology than anything else today. So running a body shop is, today is not the same that it was 30 years ago. Things have changed. It was a lot easier then. It's a lot more complicated now with the different paint manufacturers, uh, computers to mix paint, uh, computers to... Uh, measure the frame of a car and on and on and the time a guy spending on a car as opposed to before the guy that did the body work, did the, the plastic, did the primer, did the paint, did the assembly, today's different. There's the, the specialties in every department and that's what separates uh, the, the years of, uh, of back then to now. It, it, this, this is totally different. It's, it's, there's, no, there's no way you can compare it. And back in the old days too, it was a little different dealing with insurance companies. Uh, the insurance companies made, you know, the insurance company. Uh, you know, I, I assume your business, like a lot, depends a lot on insurance companies and how they pay you. And you need to keep track of all the work you do to make sure you get paid the right amount, right? Exactly. Uh, it used to be like uh, insurance companies practically dictated. Back in the days, you know, they came in, they say this job is twelve hundred dollars and I would say you never go back to anything else. Today you can never guesstimate a car. You have to write everything in black and white so you can see exactly how much how much time it takes, how much is the part, how much is the paint, on and on and on. And it's just totally different. You, you, insurance companies now negotiate with you closer closer than they used to. And you know, there's still insurance companies that are tough and they, they're set in their own ways, but it all depends on the shop owner, how professional he's running the shop, and that's how much respect he's going to get from the insurance companies. And that, I'm sure, with your My Shop Traffic program, um, I mean, you're you're a body guy, you're a business guy, um, but are you a computer programmer? No, I'm not. Far from it. But uh, I happen to like technology. I, like, I happen to like computers. But what I did is I put this program together uh I don't know if you if you remember what a palm pilot is. Oh yeah. I started, I started with a I started with a paper pad with a paper and a pad and uh, with a clipboard and that's why that's how I was keeping track of the guys that were coming in and out of the shop. 
and who was working on what and how much time to spend. For you, it's never, never accurate. I mean, as much as you try, yeah, and then I figured, you know, let me, let me try it the other way. So I put it on a palm pilot, and then from there, I move on to uh, where we are today. I, I, I hire a computer programmer. I told him what I wanted. And the difference between this program and the other one is the fact that this was done by a body shop for a body shop. So I understand the pain that we go through and that the other body shops are going through, and, and I can sympathize with them. So I put together what we need to operate in a body shop. Not what we don't need. Let's let's stick to what we need, and that's it. And, and this is what the program is all about. So when I when I hired this guy, uh, yeah, I happened to be very fortunate. I hired the right guy because he works with me head and head every single day, and every updates. It's done through the web. You don't have to, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, Whoever's using the program doesn't have to depend on a CD or or, or loading. You you can down you can access the program from anywhere in the world where you have internet access. It makes it so much simpler to run your body shop today. You don't, yeah. you don't have to be in here like I used to be every time. Yeah, and the other the other thing, you know, and, and I don't pretend to know how the body shop business works other than being in them from time to time, but, the you know, one of the things about body shops, just like mechanical repair parts, mechanical shops, uh, it's all about wasting inventory too. It's about you know, did you order stuff you didn't need? Did you do you have too much of something? Do you have not enough of something? Does your uh, program um, does your program help with that? Does it help uh, my yes. shop traffic? Does it yes. help make sure you have what you need when you need it, not more than what you need? Absolutely. When you order your materials, you order it with a scanner, and it's telling you, you know, in the computer, it's telling you how much of it you got how much you ordered, and it, keep, it helps you keep track of everything that you're ordering every day. And, it always, and that's the other part that helps the shop owner. If he wants to take a vacation, and he goes away, he wants to find out what they ordered yesterday, but he's not there. All he just got to do is pull out his uh, smartphone or iPad or, or, or laptop, and he can look at what they ordered yesterday, what they ordered today, what's been used, what's not been used. That, that's a big plus right there. And also inventory of parts. Like when we buy used parts, a lot of times we get a used door and the door comes with, a, let's say, a, a, a glass or a mirror. But we don't need that glass in the minute. We used to put it on the corner. It's okay, I'm going to save it here for when, the, when that car comes. When another car like this one comes back, I have it here. But guess what? When that car came, you had no idea that you had that. So you wind up with a room or a corner loaded with parts that eventually you're going to have to pay a, 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 for a dumpster to throw them away. Now you don't. Because now when the parts come in, you mark them as inventory, you put a barcode on it, and then when you open up the program, if that car came in, and you, let's say it was a 2017 Mercedes C300 came in, and you put it in your system, a little red icon, which is a little car, is going to pop up, letting you know that you have parts available for this car. So guess what? That room that you have full of parts that you never knew were there, now you know what they are. So that, that's by itself is a money maker. Between that, the inventory of the materials, I again, I found that I, I wanted to run the shop profitable, but not with not not with a guessing game. I wanted to be accurate, and that's exactly where you're at with this program. My yeah, shop traffic helps you keep the shop, you know, intact. Yeah, that makes perfect sense because I know I know when I worked when I worked as a mechanic, one of the one of the best guys I worked for. It was he was a great guy. Uh, 
but he he had a room of what turned into junk eventually because it was like oh we better hold on to this we better hold on to these pulleys we better hold on to this this uh, alternator we better hold on to the starter oh oh the bracket for the starter that's important because sometimes you get one in that's broken and you know you it's special order and instead of going to the junkyard we'll hold and you know we we tried to you know every everybody tries to box stuff with with paint and a crayon and it ends up being a big pile of junk and when you go to look for it you can't find it anyway and you end up buying it so you you bought it twice that way so that's so good so this program sounds like you know that you know hey wait i have uh i have a like you said i i have a side mirror for a for a 2017 mercedes and it, and it, i know where it is and when another one comes in i'm ready i'm ready to be able to you know use that rather than rather than have to buy buy it twice Right, and the other, and that and every every body shop, it's got that corner. The mechanical oh, yeah. shop, the hair shops, body shops, they're all gonna have that corner there. So that's how we eliminate that and keep the shop clean, keep it organized, and make a profit on everything that we do and touch. The other part is when a when a technician is working on the car, he's gonna log in, and as soon as he logs in on that car, he puts the function that he's doing. I know exactly what he's doing in that car and how long he's been on that job. Let's say uh, Joey uh, locks in for, uh, for the 2017 Mercedes C300 and he's going to body work. So right as soon as he locks in and he puts the job number, it says body work. So he finishes that job and he locks into another one and takes that one out. But at the end of the day, I know how many jobs Joey did, how much time he spent on each job, what was my profit on that job. So mm. you get to know if you're making money on a job or not. So you're, you're tracking every single little thing that they do. Can can you can you use your program like a lot of times when you're working on a job and the uh, and the adjuster comes in, they look at it, and then you end up having to call the adjuster back because you found some hidden damage. Can does the program help you to to? Um, negotiate with the adjuster when it's like hey look you know you wrote it for this but my guy's here and he's been working you know and found this and this does does it help you with that negotiation with the insurance adjuster well it's going to help you and it's also going to help you when the adjuster says no that, that's really a three-hour job well this is a three-hour job this is a very good technician that i've been on it and i can show you in the clock how long it took him it took him four and a half hours to do it right on the dot so, so you haven't done the job. How can you tell me three and a half? We can only know exactly how much it takes until until, he, until he's done. Yeah. Because he's going to track all of that there. That's that's a, yeah. And also, when they're riding a car, they're working on a car, and they find additional damage. If I'm not around, or the or the production manager's not around, they just take out the their smartphone, they take a picture, and the picture goes right into the system. So that picture comes into the office and they're looking at it everybody gets to see that picture of the additional damage that was found it's a a way of tracking down everything the the only thing that sounds bad about your program is that you that if you go on vacation and the shop's still running like always you're going to be watching you, you you might not go on vacation you might be busy making sure the shop's still running and not not relaxing by the pool that that all depends on you. When I go away, I just go away. I don't. I don't look back. Once in a while, when I'm taking a break at night, that I'm tired from going out and all that, you sit down on your laptop. You take a look at this. You take a look at that. 
but you know, it, it's going to help you if you want to send a message to your uh, uh, production manager on certain jobs. You can just send them a task. You don't have to talk to him. You just go into the system, put a task, and he'll get it within seconds. No, let's say you forgot. Oh my gosh, I forgot that I promised Joey that I was going to do a, a left rear quarter panel. Yeah. I was going to take care of it, and we're working on the front car. Let me just send him a task right now. Boom. Oh. And it's done. So, yeah, you, you, you can become a slave of everything, not, not just this here. It's like everything. You know, today, there's no such thing as a nine to five job. Those days are gone. But, but you can control it. That, that, that's up to you. I mean, the, the problem is. It's going to do everything you want it to do, but it's not going to stop you from working 24 hours. That's for mm. sure. Yeah. you yeah, got to, you got to yeah. do that yourself. Yeah. No, that's, that's a good... That's, you got to that's, do that yourself. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, but it's not, I mean, what, what I, what I really like about this and, and you, and you said it exactly right is, um, you know, you start, you started in a, in the business when it was a little bit different. You saw how you needed to make a change. You, you saw all these different programs that were supposed to help you that probably were written by computer programmers, not people that work in body shops. And they right. added all, they added all this extra stuff that you didn't need. And, you said, you know what, you know those programs are okay, but I don't need some of the stuff it has. So you you sat down with somebody and said, I want to build a program to make my job better, my my business more profitable. I want to work. I want to be smarter at what I do. And this this is and rather than wait for someone to do it, you did it on your own. Exactly. That's that's exactly the way it is. And you know, again, it's just. Time saver. You don't want to pay for something that you don't use. Yeah. So when I was using all the programs, I could see that they, you know I'm not knocking they were good, but why why do I need this? Why do I need that? It's it's irrelevant. And right now I don't need that. What I need is to run my business and run it profitable, and that's yep. it. No more, no less. No, it's it's it sounds like the smart way to go. the The name of the program is called My Shop Traffic. And uh, and people can go the website if if businesses body shops and I know we have we have uh, we have some body shops that listen to the program all the time and if they want more information it's myshoptraffic.com dot com is the website right right and you go to the website you can do a three minute demo and if you're interested then you just get in touch with us send an email or there's a there's an inquiry uh. uh Ask there that you could you could do, and we'll, we'll get it, and we'll get it in touch with you. We'll give you a we'll give you a telephone demo. We could yeah. do a demo with you that lasts around half an hour to forty five minutes in the program, and explain you and explain it in more detail exactly the questions that the body shop asks, what it does, what what they want to do, and it doesn't matter where they're located. It could be located in California. It could be located in in Alaska. We still can do it. Hawaii yeah. it doesn't matter. It's all web based. Yeah. The and other part is, go ahead. You you could do it with, with the hardware that you have presently. You don't need any new hardware. If you wanted to add some, then you're welcome to. But you don't, you don't need to buy new new hardware. Hmm. So well, that, you, you don't need to be adding additional computers to your shop or this or that. No, that that's good to know. And and um, the the fees involved is it is it a one time fee, a yearly fee, a monthly fee? How's it work? It's a monthly fee. Okay. It, it, you know, you, you pay monthly. There's no, there's no contract. 
So you can come in, you try it. If you don't like it, you get out. If you, if you like it, I mean, if you want to sign a one-year contract, then we have a sell that you get, uh, you know, you get 14 months for the price of 12 months. Oh, okay. All right. Sounds good. No, this, this, like I said, this sounds like, this sounds like one of those programs that it was just, it was created for all the right reasons. You, I mean, you, you hear so many times that, you know, some things get created, you know, my, my wife, my wife, years ago used to work in a supermarket and she she did her job was to make sure the stuff when it went across the scanner scanned it the right thing and they would come up with all these new computer programs but no one ever no one who wrote the program ever did the job so they would go and she'd say this is not going to work this is not going to work this isn't going to work and she wasn't a computer person she was just somebody who said i do this i do this eight hours a day every day i know that i know that you know this is what we need to do so they started calling her when they started to do the stuff to try to get it to work and you just and you was you were smart enough you said you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna try to get something that works for me right right and i tell you the truth ever since i put this program together well i've been working on it uh almost 12 years yeah i just put it on the market back uh in november but i've been working on the program for 12 years so i know a lot, of, a lot of things that I didn't like, I took them out. Then I added more. I took out. <clears throat> so I kept on refining the program as we went on. And I find that it has it gives me a lot more free time from the shop. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and it keeps everybody in the shop happy because they know where they are. They know what they're doing. And when the body shop is working a uh, uh, Hourly, or you know, they're paying hourly or yep. salary, or they're paying flat rate. Either one works good for them. Uh, it, it's gonna, it's going to be a world of a difference for a body shop once they see that they can track every single little thing in the shop without without going crazy, without going crazy. I, uh, in my shop, I keep two big screens so that, that even the technicians are looking at what they're doing and how long they're getting the car. So at the end, it becomes a friendly competition between one guy and the other one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. They see how many how many hours you go. Oh, look, I'm faster than you. I'm this. I'm that. Yeah. And, and you know, it just without them realizing it, it's helping me. Yeah. No, it's so, a, it sounds good. It sounds good, but it also sounds like you know some computer programs. You almost have to hire a separate person just to do all the work. But this sounds like it's stuff that you do every day. You just enter it into the computer rather than rather than have to hire a full-time person to to make sure they enter all the stuff and make sure everything works it it even sounds like it would work good if you had a little three if you had a little three-person body shop or a little custom shop uh that just did custom work and not collision work it, it sounds like it would work whether it's whether it's three people or whether it was 35 people well i'm glad you mentioned custom work because i, I have a shop in, uh, in colorado and they do uh restoration work and they use it because restoration work is something very hard to price mm. when the car comes in it's hard to price because you start the car you stop you go back you do something else and then you stop and sometimes the car will be there one two months three months whatever i personally do restoration for for those who do this is awesome because now you can track down every single hour that you put on the car and you had to tell the owner okay listen i got uh, 150 hours in your car at the uh, X amount of dollars, this is what it's going to cost. And you have it down in black and white. It's, it's not a guessing game. Mm. It helps the shop uh, create 
a, a better relationship with the customer because now the customer sees, well, the shop is honest. This is what they, they did. This is what they're charging me for. And it also helps the body shop not guess. He's, now he's playing 100% because when you're guessing, okay, I think, I think uh, Johnny put six hours yesterday on this car. Yeah, yeah, five, six hours, something like that. Yeah. So this is down to the, to the minute, to the second. Mm. No, the only it, good part of it, John, is that the guys in the shop are the ones when they clock in, they're the ones moving the clock. In other words, from body work to primer to prep to paint to assembly to detail. And once they clock in, it's going right into the office and the girl in the front desk or the person, I should say, in the front desk will see it and say, okay, this is what the car is at. So now when Mr. John Doe calls up, wants to find out where his car is, the girl doesn't have to run after the shop manager or the shop owner. Uh, I, got, I got Mr. John Doe on the phone. He wants to find out where his car is going to be done. So they're looking at it. Okay, so your car is in detail. So if anything goes well, the car should be done this afternoon. Mm. And this is something that has helped the, my son's staff a, a whole bunch. It saves time running around looking for the person. Because they used to look for me all around. Yeah. No, it makes sense. My shop, my shop is a good size shop, so it would take them sometimes five, ten minutes. Meanwhile, the poor person is on the phone. That's bad business. And you have to keep somebody on the phone for so long. You want to get them on the phone and get them out? The other good portion is that if the owner agrees, this program will automatically text them and tell them what stage the car is on. Wow. It all depends on the owner. You want you want to you want a text message? Yeah, please send me text message. Okay, your car is a, your car is in body work. Your car is in primer. Your car is in prep, from paint, and on and on. And they've been every step of the way. They've been uh, notified, and, and that's that's something that eliminates phone calls. And you'd be surprised how much it raises your uh, your uh, reviews. Which mm. people live and die by reviews today, but it helps you get a lot of. It's going to bring you from a three-star to a five-star in no time because they're going to like what they see. and what Customers like to be updated on what they got. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right in having that communication. And again, the the uh, the program is myshoptraffic.com. People can, if they want to contact you, it's info at myshoptraffic.com. They can go. They can go on the website. They can see. Uh, they can see a little video. They can. They can have you guys do a demo on it. And they know that this isn't a. This isn't a program that a bunch of. Uh, you know, it, it's a program that was built and designed for the body shop industry by a guy who owns a body shop. What more can you want than that? Exactly. Yeah. It, it, it's just something that the shops will be shocked to see the difference. And in, 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 a, in a month, you'll see the difference. In two months, you'll see the difference of how your shop is running. Yep. No. It, and, and, and when you were losing, then now you're making profit up. No, it makes perfect sense. Gene, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your Saturday and uh, giving us a little bit of an education, what goes on in the body shop business and ways to make that business a little bit easier. Pleasure to talk to you, John. Anytime you uh, want to do something or, or do something, let me know. I'm I will. Help you All, right. All right. Thanks, Gene. Thank All you, right. Sir. You take care now. Bye-bye. That was Gene Cortez. He is the owner of a body shop out in New York. And uh, and this program, myshoptraffic.com, 
Uh, I always, uh, you know, just the the idea behind the story. The story is that, you know, he's a body shop guy. He's been doing it since 1971, he was saying. And he said, you know what? It's time, it's time for me to, you know, maybe try to make my shop business a little bit smarter. I mean, I, I hate these business expressions like work smarter, not harder, and all that sort of stuff. But in this case, he really is working smarter. And then he said, you know what? I'm going to work on this program. I'm going to work on this program. I'm going to work on it. And what I'm going to do when I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try to make it into another business where I can sell, where I can, uh, you know, help other body shops. And of course he's selling a product and that's, and that's good. But the idea that you're buying it monthly, there's no subscription and you give it a shot, try it for a month, try it for two months, try it for three months. If you, if you have a body shop and you find out that maybe it does help you keep track of inventory, it does keep track of all your work and he brought up a good point if you want to if if the if the customer who owns the car wants to be up to date on what's going on so in other words um yeah i want to know when my car is going into primer i want to know when it's going into the paint booth i you know when we when we had franny on from the body shop over there in brockton that did a little work for me uh the last step of his job was they send it to his detail shop and they make the car look like brand new. They detail the whole car, clean the tires, clean the wheels, you know, so it looks like the brand new car that that you had before it got into a, a problem. And to know that all of a sudden you get a text message to say your car's in detailing and it'll be ready for you to pick up tomorrow or today or whatever the case is, he's right. He said people live and die by these Yelp reviews and face Facebook reviews and all this sort of stuff. And as much as I think a lot of it's nonsense, a lot of people look at it at the same time. So if you can keep that line of communication open with your customers so you're not having to call up and go, hey, how's it going? How's it going? How's it going? It seems like it makes a lot of sense. So if you're a body shop out there and uh, and you're interested or you know somebody that owns a body shop or you're going to be listening to the podcast online, and like uh, Gene said, if you're in Alaska or Florida or Chicago, or maybe internationally even, any place there's the internet, uh, myshoptraffic.com is the name of the program. And uh, sound, and, and again, I, I like the idea, and when I was talking to Melly, his daughter, and she's working for him now, uh, not doing body work, but doing some of, the, some of this stuff, and she said something to me. I said, it's, you know, I just kind of want to talk to Gene like, you know, we just met in a coffee shop somewhere, and he, I said, hey, what do you do? And, you know, tell me what you do. And that's kind of what this was all about. Why don't we take a break, pay some bills. My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on AM 950 WROL, The Spirit of Boston. Well, the other day I went out my rig to some Saturday tracks that I heard was big. Oh, 
And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. I was kind of listening to that music going, and I know Dennis doesn't choose the music anymore. It just pops up automatically, but what was that? I believe that's the Ramones. That's kind of what I thought, and I was sort of shocked. But um, I know you're kind of a Ramones fan, right? Uh, I'm a very light Ramones fan, yes. I know they're just. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. That was a um, quasi hit for him. I just don't know the name of it. Yeah, I have no idea. I I would be hard pressed to know any names of their songs, but Joey Ramone sounds like an interesting character. But anyways, um, there's a the company called Car MD. We've talked to them before, but Car MD Corporation released its latest state ranking of check engine light related car repair costs and. Uh, Interesting, the District of Columbia has the most expensive check engine repairs, and uh, vehicle owners in Ohio paid the least for car repairs in 2018. So the same repair in the District of Columbia costs $414, and if you're in New Jersey, you could save about $15. Not, you know, not a, not a lot, but um, the second most expensive is Connecticut, followed by California and Georgia of all places kind of interesting but car repair costs are up there's no question about it. the average cost to repair a check engine light these days um, in Ohio is $354 which is nearly 6% higher than the previous year Ohio paid uh, $335 on average for parts and labor the average cost to repair a check engine light in Washington DC was almost $415 up 3% from the year before labor costs for the third consecutive year in a row Vermont owners had the lowest average labor cost at $134 when uh, surprisingly the uh, most common cause of a check engine light in cars and trucks in Vermont was a loose or missing gas cap, which kind of wonder why it cost $134 to figure out the gas cap was loose. But anyway, drivers in Mississippi paid the most labor. Again, sort of odd. Mississippi isn't where I think high labor costs would be at $163. And uh, in Mississippi, and again, why why this would be, ignition coils and spark plugs and ignition-related problems are a bigger issue than in Vermont where you um, had a loose gas cap. The most common vehicle to be repaired in Vermont was a Chevrolet Silverado pickup truck. In Mississippi, it was a 2004 F-150. Connecticut uh, had the most expensive parts. Michigan paid the least expensive for parts. Don't know why, even though you would think they're made there, but they're not. Uh, the type of vehicle to repair uh, and whether original equipment parts are used factor into average repair costs in Connecticut. The vehicle needing the most check engine light repairs was a Nissan Altima I was automatically thinking that oh Connecticut's pretty affluent state especially when you get down to Fairfield County Uh, I wasn't thinking it was a seven twelve year old Nissan Altima in Michigan Ford still does pretty good in Michigan it was a 2004 F-150 good by meaning I guess they sell a lot of Fords in Michigan still um but it's kind of it's kind of interesting the way this all worked. And again, uh, if you're going to get your car repaired, the most expensive place to get it repaired is the District of Columbia, and uh, you know it gets a little bit cheaper where you are. Massachusetts, right in the middle, 29th state. If you're uh, if you're listening in, uh, if you're if you're wondering where some of the other states fall here in New England, 
Uh, well, let's see here. You would think like New Hampshire falls number 44th, Vermont 47th, like I said, um, Connecticut uh, number two, and California is right under that. You would think, and uh, Florida is uh, is kind of it's kind of down on the list a little bit. I I would have thought, and maybe Florida is a little bit less expensive because of um, because of labor costs. I mean, I mean here in Massachusetts. Uh, labor's labor's a little bit higher. Uh, even minimum wage is higher. I think Florida minimum wage is still like seven or eight dollars an hour. New Hampshire is right near the bottom of the list at forty-four. So, and Rhode Island's near the top of the list actually at number sixteen. So it's a little bit more expensive to get your car fixed in Rhode Island than it is in Massachusetts. Not by a lot, but enough to enough to make a little bit of a difference in the chart. So, you know, when people look at statistics, I mean, they're, they're interesting the way they always come up and, and the way you kind of look at them. Uh, remember, if you're up in the Shrewsbury area at the Hebert Candy Mansion today is the big Volkswagen Doom Buggy Show. So if you're up in that area, take a swing in it and... and well, first off, get an ice cream while you're there. Get a box of chocolates while you're there. But look at all the dune buggies. Look at all the Volkswagens that are there. If you're a fan of air-cooled stuff, uh, whether it's Volkswagen Beetles, microbuses, you know some of the some of the weird wagons that they had back then. Uh, Volkswagen, Volkswagen. You know everybody kind of thinks of the Beetle, but they also had some other kind of odd. Something about a station wagon with the engine in the back where you could almost see it and smell it never seemed like a good idea to me, or it was almost in the cabin. Uh, but if you like dune buggies too, there's going to be a bunch of uh, dune buggies, the deserter, or deserter, depending on how you pronounce it, owner's group, kind of a local dune buggy body made in Massachusetts. Uh, they're having their reunion at the uh, Hebert's Candy Mansion in conjunction with the Bug Club group up there. So if you're in the area, go check it out and see what it's all about. I think you'll find it's uh, it's pretty interesting. And, and I was at a little car show last Saturday, and I mentioned last Saturday I was driving the new Toyota Supra. And the new Toyota Supra is an interesting car. It's um, It uses a uh, um, BMW drivetrain, so a six-cylinder 330 horsepower or so engine connected to an eight-speed uh, dual-clutch automatic transmission uh, rear-wheel drive vehicle and they built this their version of the super body all over the drivetrain the story is with the supra that the engineer who designed it and says they never actually um, they never actually did did any comparisons with the BMW. He never drove a BMW Z4, never drove a BMW 3 Series or 4 Series that would have the same car in it. He wanted to tune it to be a uh, Toyota, Toyota Supra and not a BMW. And my feeling on the car was it did actually ride a little bit differently. It did, I thought it handled phenomenally. But a couple interesting things. As we were leaving the radio station last Saturday morning, I look over and there's a guy with a digital SLR camera taking all kinds of pictures of the car. And younger guy, probably in his 30s, I'd say. And I said to him, where did you come from exactly? And he lives in one of these new um, high-rise apartments that is in Marina Bay. And he said, well, I opened up the, I went out in my 
balcony and looked out and I saw it down there. I grabbed my camera to run down to take pictures of it because I'd never seen one before. And that's how passionate people are about the Supra. So then I took it to a little car show last Saturday night uh, down here on the Cape in Dennis at the Stop and Shop parking lot. The uh, Cape Cod Cruisers, I think, is the name of the group. And, <coughs> excuse me, and I was um, pulled in and uh, the, the woman at the gate waved me in so I could put it on display. I actually got a dash plaque for attending, which was kind of neat. And so I came in and, and I washed it, kind of washed it and all wiped it down so it looked nice and clean when I pulled it in. And um, I just left it there and I wanted to see reaction to what people thought of the car. And it wasn't a big night because it was, uh, if, if you remember last Saturday, the weather wasn't, the weather wasn't great. And... Um, so people people came out and and there was a combination of everything from hot rods to a couple vintage cars to actually a deserter dune buggy that was there that I I told him I told him about the car show up at the at the candy mansion and he said he was going to maybe see about getting his car up there to put it on display and uh, he had he had the classic dune buggy with the roll bar and the surfboards attached to the to the roll bar and over the windshield so it kind of looked kind of interesting to look at. And, but I left it there and I was just talking to people and people were looking at it and people wanted to look under the hood and look around and a lot of them didn't know it had a BMW drivetrain. Uh, people really were pretty passionate about the car of all ages. The one person that was disappointed, a younger guy, and he had somebody younger with him too. So I want to say 30s maybe and he had somebody with him that could have been his brother that was maybe in his 20s and they showed up in a right-hand drive uh, uh, Nissan Skyline or Datsun Skyline whatever you want to call it which is which was the high performance car that if you ever saw the Fast and Furious movies that was the one that was in the first Fast and Furious movie and that also was a big video game car uh, it was uh a pretty subtle looking car but it had sort of a uh, a 240z engine in it. it was pretty legendary as a performance car in japan and he actually imported one from japan they're old enough now where you can import them under antique categories and he imported it and he uh, he looked at he he got out of it and just kind of walked by and just didn't say anything and i've been walking around the show a little bit and he came back and and I said, of all people, I thought you'd be all over this. But he was one of those people that didn't show a lot of emotion. And then once I started to talk to him, he's like, oh, oh, this guy's pretty cool. This is this. this is. So he was actually pretty pretty interested in how it all went and what are, what it all did. So uh, uh, it, it was interesting. And then the car show is partially sponsored by Orleans Auto Parts. And the guy from Orleans Auto Parts came over, and I was showing him the car and talking to him about it, and letting him know the car wasn't mine; it belonged to Toyota. It had nothing to do with. I just they asked me to drive it for the weekend, and I thought this was a good way to um, see what people thought about the car. And he came over and he said to me, "I really want to thank you for bringing the car to the show." Uh, I talked to some people, and they hadn't seen one before. And even there was a guy from. Uh, the Toyota dealer in Hyannis who said we have one on order but uh, I don't know when it's coming in so he said this is the first one I've ever seen so it was kind of it was kind of fun to do do all that and let people kind of enjoy the car down in Portsmouth Rhode Island our friends at the Newport Car Museum have partnered with rail explorers in Newport 
helicopter tours to offer discounts for visitors who want to try two or all three of these unique experiential outings, um, which are uh, some of the, it's, it's a pretty popular attraction. So you get a discount card, it gets stamped by the first attraction you visit to take it to the next attraction. So you've probably done that in discount stores or, or, or um, stores where there's, uh, you know, the there's an outlet store and you go to the next one and you get a discount kind of thing so same idea so you go to the Newport Car Museum you get a discount uh, off a full price ticket then if you want to go on the Newport helicopter helicopter tour you get ten dollars off of any flight and then they have something called rail explorers and rail explorers is kind of is kind of well it sounds like kind of a lot of work but it's uh, basically one of those hand operated rail cars and you know on some of the old railroad tracks and you get to kind of go up and, and, and look at and kind of go along the railroad track. And a lot of people like that. A lot of people think it's real interesting. So you can find out more information about that. Uh, the Newport Auto Museum is in Portsmouth, Rhode Island. Regular admission is $18 for adults, $15 for seniors, military students. Uh, eight bucks, kids, five to 15 with an adult are free. And ages four, oh, uh, oh. Uh, 5 to 15 is the same as students in military and uh, kids uh, 4 and under are free with an adult so in the Newport Car Museum we got to talk to Gunther again uh, because he's added some more cars down there but the Newport Car Museum is handicap accessible hours are 10 to 4 Monday through Sunday tickets can be bought on the door or check out their website you can buy tickets there at newportcarmuseum.org um, speaking of car museums in Newport there's the Audrain Museum, which I don't know much about, but apparently AAA has come up with a partnership uh, that we are going to be doing something with them where we're a sponsor of something called the 30 Under 30. So it's 30-year-olds that have spent no more than $30,000 on their car project, and I guess we're going to be, we may be partially judging the event, and we're going to hand the trophy out. And apparently Jay Leno was a judge. Well, we'll find out what that's all about. I'll, I'll give you more information. I find out more about it. I just heard just a little bit about it and uh, kind of learned a little bit more about it. Uh, GM is giving up on diesel crossover vehicles three years ago amid the void left by Volkswagen emission scandal. General Motors declared its intention to be the new U.S. leader in diesels. There's a lot of diesel intenders and diesel oil people who are looking for a brand and vehicles to go after. Uh, GM Vice President for Global propulsion system said at an industry conference back about three years ago uh, the GM was going to be all diesel well this is where you know I always said if I had a nickel for everybody who said they wanted a diesel engine in a in a in a small SUV I want a diesel engine in a car I want a diesel engine in a little station wagon I want a diesel engine with a standard tra standard transmission well, you know what would happen if I had a nickel for everyone who said that? I'd have a lot of nickels. If I had a nickel for everyone who bought one, I wouldn't have any nickels. It seemed like people were a lot of talk about that and really didn't do much about it for some reason. And I was I was the same way. I thought I thought uh, a lot of people would want want them, but apparently not. Hey, did you ever think about a 2000 horsepower car? Well, Lotus is seeking to reestablish itself as a global engineering and sports car powerhouse under its new parent. And everything's owned by Chinese companies now. It's, uh, it's Geely Holdings, which, uh, which uh, I believe are the same people that own Volvo. 
they unveiled a halo car it's a 2000 horsepower full electric hypercar uh, there's only going to be 130 of them made only dentists can afford it because they're 2.1 million yeah i wish i could afford something <laughs> like that that'd be amazing <laughs> uh plus taxes uh it's the most powerful series production vehicle ever built by the British car manufacturer, 2,000 horsepower, come on. Uh, they said it will reestablish our brand in the hearts and minds of sports car fans in the global automotive stage. Uh, Lotus CEO Phil Poppin said the car was unveiled uh, just this past uh, few days, and they'll have uh, just kind of models and clays and all that sort of stuff. But they said that despite the switch to electric, which increases weight because of batteries, they feel this will also be one of the fastest cars they ever built. They're confident in uh, the 3,400-pound target weight. They'll be able to do that, and they claim it will achieve a range of about 250 miles between charges, and only because it's powered by four electric motors, so it sort of sounds like 500 horsepower per motor. It will go 200 miles an hour and go to zero to 62 miles an hour in less than three seconds. Um, they won't adjust the vehicle to U.S. standards, but the car will be available under show and display import rules, which limit the road miles to 2,500 a, a year. Well, you know, if you got two $2 million to go buy a car, I suppose, um, well, if you have that kind of money, I suppose you probably have more than one car, so you probably only are going to drive it a little bit of time and, and see what happens. Um, if, if this all goes correctly, you know, the weather on the Cape has been a little weird this week. And I think we have Miriam Adams from OnStar to talk about that a little bit. Well, this week's been a pretty wild week. We started off with 100-degree uh, temperatures, and over the week we had some pretty severe lightning storms. In fact, in Cape Cod, they were tornadoes, and we saw two or three inches of rain. So uh, I guess we're firmly into hurricane season. And with us on the phone is Marianne Adams. She is the OnStar Disaster Response Manager. Marianne, good morning, and thank you for joining us up here in Boston. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well... I guess it is hurricane season, so uh, what can, what can I always think of OnStar as rescuing people that get flat tires and lock their keys in the car. Um, tell us how OnStar can help uh, protect us all the time. OnStar is there before, during, and after severe weather or natural disasters. So let's say you needed to evacuate an area. We can help you evacuate by giving you routing instructions. We can find hotel rooms for you or shelters of last resort. And during a disaster, if you are impacted and you need to get a hold of first responders, we can make that call for you in the event your cell phone's not working or your landline phone is not working. And afterwards, we can help you in terms of recovery. Let's say communications have been hampered. We can actually, um, you can press that button and we can make calls for you to help you stay connected to your loved ones. So your system works a little different than others where it, it, doesn't, it isn't so heavily reliant on, on the uh, cell phone systems around, around the country then? We are reliant on the cell, cellular infrastructure. However, um, over the years we've had people tell us that OnStar was the only thing that worked 
during those disasters. And so um, there's a high likelihood that you will be able to get through with OnStar um, during a disaster. And, I mean, we've certainly had a fair amount of those around the country. Uh, you know, Hurricane Irma certainly affected a lot of the Gulf Coast, along with Hurricane Harvey and others. Um, and you guys were there to try to help with that, right? We were, um, for sure. Our customers call us when they need help. Um, a lot of people aren't prepared when a disaster comes about them. And so they're calling us at the last minute. Um, to help them evacuate, and actually people get caught in flooded waters. They're driving through waters when they shouldn't be, and so um, they press the button, and we can contact first responders to get out there and help rescue them. And there are a lot of different ways that we help people, including the communication. So, again, it's before, during, and after the severe weather that we're there for our customers. So uh, if you are caught in a weather emergency, whether it's, you know, just a, a, a terrible downpour, a lightning storm, or uh, something worse, a hurricane or a tornado, what kind of advice can you give our listeners? Well, the first advice that I want to give your listeners is, one, pay attention to the weather every day so you can avoid those if you can. Adjust your schedule. Um, if you can leave a little bit earlier or later, to get around those storms, that's the number one thing that you want to do. And if you happen to be caught in, the, um, in your vehicle out on the road during a severe weather event, see if you can find shelter. And that could be any sturdy building that's around you. And if you can't find a sturdy building, then you're going to want to make sure that you pull over, put your flasher lights on, uh, make sure that it's a safe area, and you want to stay um, down in your vehicle in the event that any severe weather passes over and impacts you. And when it comes to um, uh, thunder and lightning storms, uh, a car is actually a pretty safe place to be because of the metal structure that sort of protects you and the electricity goes to ground. Uh, but that can also be the case in some of these some of these other storms as well. But if it looks like there's uh, uh, serious flooding coming, can you push the OnStar button and say, hey, I'm heading to Georgia over the next day or so, and can the OnStar operators give uh, people an idea what the weather is going to be like over the next day or so? They can help you with the weather for sure. Um, but again, what you want to do is make sure that you plan ahead and look at that weather. So as you know, weather can change at any time. So if there is severe weather going on and you don't, you're not quite sure how severe it is when you're traveling, just press that button and our advisors can tell you if there's a weather warning in your area. Mm. Yeah, I know one of my uh, radio coworkers has an Escalade and it, one of the reasons he bought it, because, besides it's a, a big, comfortable vehicle, is OnStar because uh, a few years ago he had a serious heart incident, and he is convinced that uh, being able to hit that OnStar button is, is one of the most valuable things for him. There are many individuals that we've helped um, save who have a medical emergency in their vehicle, and that's what that red button is there for. Also, if the vehicle is in a collision, the vehicles contact us automatically and no button has to be pressed. And more importantly, the advisors that are at the other end of that call are all emergency medical dispatch trained. So they can give you medical advice while we're contacting 911 and first responders to get there. So we can give you that medical instruction to potentially save your life. Mm. 
Now, OnStar is available all over the world. Is there is there any, and a little bit off topic, is there any part of the world that they hit the OnStar button more often than others? Um, I re- you know, that's, that's I remember a years, years ago, I remember it used to be China. China hit that OnStar button apparently more than anybody. We do. Uh, uh, our China customers do press the button more frequently, but um, we press the button frequently in North America as well. Yeah, I bet we do. I bet we do. If people want to find out more information, uh, both about OnStar and disaster preparedness, where can they go? They can go to OnStar.com to find out more information about um, building a kit, making a plan, and being better informed about severe weather and natural disasters. Isn't that important? Is, is uh, I guess like the Boy Scouts always used to say, you know, plan for the worst and hope for the best. So having a disaster kit uh, always there in case there's an emergency is always the best thing to do. And, and uh, you know, go to, go to your site and check it out and find out what it is. Exactly. The more prepared you are, the better off you're going to be on the other side of that uh, disaster. Absolutely. Well, we'll hope for no disasters, but we'll prepare for them just in case. And, Marianne, thank you for taking some time out of your Saturday morning to join us up here in Boston. Thank you very much. Appreciate being with you today. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Why don't we take a break, pay some bills. My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. We'll be right back. Have you heard the story of the hot rod race with the Fords and the Lincolns was set in the pace? That story is true. And today I don't have the fastest set of wheels in town. I'm actually driving a Mazda 6. And what a nice car. It is, um, it's it's just, it's this combination of, I think, best kept secret. Uh, if you're looking for a sedan, um, and you, you know, you like everybody else, you're looking at a, a Camry or a Honda Accord or, you know, buy a Ford before before Ford stops selling sedans or, or or something else. You know, you owe it to yourself to look at the Mazda 6. The Mazda 6, it handles well. It it It's a four-cylinder engine. It makes plenty of power, though. Uh, it rides really well. It's economical. Uh, just it's comfortable to be in. It's one of those cars that I keep forgetting about, and I think that's part of the problem, but it, it is a nice car. But it's not the, it's not the fastest set of wheels in town. Our phone number is 617-770-3030. I know we've kind of taken up a lot of time today with uh, with uh, Gene from the uh, from uh, the Body Shop business and uh, and our friend from OnStar. But let's talk to uh, George. Good morning, George. Good morning. How are you today? Good. How are you? Good. I wanted to ask your opinion about tires. Sure. So my wife has a 2008 Toyota Highlander Limited. The mechanic noticed it's starting to get cracks in a sidewall. Uh, I don't know if you can recommend brands, but I was wondering um, what type of tires I should be looking for this vehicle. Uh, what's important to look for when I go to purchase tires? Well, I mean, this is this is kind of a, kind of a silly answer, I guess. But uh, it's a it's what year what year Highlander is it again? It's a two thousand eight. Yeah, and uh, the tires that are on it, how long have they been on it? 
They've been on it um, four and a half, almost five years. Five years? You've been pretty happy with yeah. what's on it? Uh, they're okay. Yeah, they're, they're, they're you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm, you know, if I have to pick the best tire on the planet still, I'm a fan of um, Michelin. I think with Michelin, when my old car, the uh, mm-hmm. the old Hyundai Santa Fe I had, when I thought I was going to keep it, and I had I didn't know what I was going to do with it exactly, but I knew the tires that were on it were getting kind of thin, and I thought mm-hmm. I was gonna I thought I was gonna keep it, and I said, you know what, I want tires that are going to be trouble free. I had some fantasy that, you know, if someday if I ever retire, that car may be a car that would sit, um, maybe down in Florida somewhere, and I wanted tires that were going to be mm-hmm. trouble free, and I said, you know, if you want something like that, you can't go wrong with Michelin's. Michelin's make good tires they've been making tires forever they're always trouble free tires you might not get the most mileage out of them some other tires actually get better better overall mileage but as far as being round and don't lose air and just good quality tires you're always going to go with michelin um but you know i don't know that there's a terrible bad tire around anymore and you know your your highlander it's it's all-wheel drive it's pretty good in the winter time a good all-season tire whether it's uh whether it's uniroyal or firestone or you know bridgestone uh i think you're going to do okay the only thing i might stay away from is some of the really low-cost chinese tires only because mm-hmm. They're fine for a while, and Saloon is one of them. It's kind of an economy tire, and it's one of those things that, to some extent, you get a you get a little bit of you get what you pay for, sort of thing. And they they look good. Their stopping distance isn't quite as good. Some of the other tires, like uh, Kumos and some of the 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 other um, Asian tire manufacturers, have actually turned out to be really good. Um, the tires I had on my old car uh, before th- might have even been that car I, don't, I guess might have been that car the car tires I had on before that were Kumos and, and I actually had really good luck with them and they performed pretty well they performed great in wet weather they performed pretty good they performed really good in dry weather where they didn't perform that well is in like a half an inch of snow for some reason, in a half an inch of snow, they weren't quite as grippy as they should be. Wet weather, they were fine. Uh, dry weather, they were outstanding. A little tiny bit of snow, they weren't that good. Uh, and when I sold, when I ended up selling the car, when I decided to buy something new instead, the woman who bought the car said she brought it to her mechanic, had it checked out, and her mechanic said, oh, you know, this thing's going to need tires in a few thousand miles. Uh, they're down to four 30 seconds or so a tread and i said but just so happens i said i have four brand new michelins i was going to put on the car and and uh uh and never ended up doing it i said you know for an extra few hundred dollars you can have the the michelins to go with it so again i'm kind of a fan of michelins only because they tend to be one of the most trouble-free tires on the road but you pay more for them um the other, the other thing I do, it, it never hurts to do a little bit of comparison. And like uh, websites like TireRack.com, you can go on their website and kind of read about what other people think of a particular tire. And that's not such a bad way to go either. So, um, you know, just see what see what other people, you know, how they kind of rate the tires they bought and see what they think of them. Uh, that's not bad. But again, I'm sort of a, uh, to some extent, I'm a name brand tire guy. Uh, only because my before I, you know, before I came to work at AAA, you know, 
three and a half decades ago. Um, I got the first place I ever really got a, a real job was at a Uniroyal Tire Store, and uh, the Uniroyal Tire Store taught me a lot about tires because uh, back then, um, you know, Uniroyals had. They had a 20,000-mile tire, a 30,000-mile tire, a 40,000-mile tire, and back then they also had plain old bias ply tires because that's how long ago it was. And the Uniroyal tires, I saw good and bad out of those. They were they were some tires that, you know, they you know, quality control wasn't terrific. And then I ended up, uh, I left there and, and went to a, another tire store. And then uh, the last few years before I ended up coming to work at AAA, I worked at Sullivan Tire. And they had, they, they were a big Goodyear dealer. And I really started to appreciate Goodyear tires as being a good quality tire too. Uh, you know, because you get to see the ones that didn't do so well. And the Goodyear tires always did for the most part did pretty well so again Goodyear's Goodyear's a good choice uh, but a good all-season tire look at the ratings on the side of the tire they'll give you temperature and tread wear don't be so swayed by the tread wear rating be more concerned about uh, uh, temperature and traction you want you want the A ratings on on those because you want a tire that's going to give you good traction every tire today lasts 40,000 miles so you know that's not the that's that's not the part. It's you want to make sure it does a good job. So again, I'm kind of a name brand person when it comes to tires. Michelin, Bridgestone, uh, uh, um, Goodyear, and again, I've you know I tried to set a Kumos just to see what they were like, and they were actually they were actually pretty impressive. And that's uh, that's actually what's on my latest car. It came from the factory that way, and they're okay. Um, you know, I, I, they're relatively quiet. I want a quiet tire on a car. And I want one that's going to give me a little bit of traction in the winter time, so it's going to be okay. That help? Thank you so much. All right, yeah, thanks, George. It's, uh, I value your opinion and have a great weekend. All right, I appreciate it, George. Thank you. Bye bye now. Yeah. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty is our number. Four years later, more than fifteen million vehicles still equipped with dangerous airbags. Um, at AAA, we're st- urging drivers to take action on the Takata recall, despite the national recall issued back in 2015. Uh, there's some 15 million vehicles in the United States that are still equipped with Takata re- airbags that still pose <coughs> still pose a risk. Uh, right, Takata, I- <laughs> Takata airbag repairs are made free of charge at all dealerships across the country, but they're still uh, nearly... Uh, 17 million defective airbags on more than 15 million vehicles. Uh, we certainly encourage owners to take the recall seriously, get those airbags off the road now. There's no sense in um, being faced with what potentially could be a life-threatening or at least dangerous situation. AAA first raised concerns about the airbags several years ago, uh, along with the National Highway Traffic Safety. The repair work itself can usually be completed in a few hours. That may not be particularly convenient, but... Uh, you know, go to the dealership, drop the car off, let them fix it. It makes sense. Uh, so far, more than two-thirds, about 40 million of the recalls have been repaired, leaving about one-third uh, still needing to be done. Uh, the ones that are the most dangerous ones are some of the ones in the old Hondas that uh, haven't been repaired yet. Uh, drivers can check their vehicle by visiting the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration recall website. It's nitsa.gov backslash recalls and they can enter actually enter in the vehicle identification number so that 17 digit number that's near the windshield or on your registration you can put it in and it will tell you whether your vehicle is under the recall and whether it's been done uh, 
Uh, on the recall side, uh, it's uh, useful for vehicle owners. You can track it. You can see what's going on, and you can get the repairs done. It really, it really makes sense to do it because uh, chances are, if the airbag fails, and it it may not have a problem, but why take a chance and let the manufacturer fix it? It's been a while. Hey, I got an email from our buddy John, uh, our buddy Scott Gonzo Weaver, and uh, Scott, and we call him Gonzo, but his real name's Scott. Uh, but Gonzo, Gonzo, years back, and not that many years back, ran a repair shop. And he specialized in the stuff nobody wanted to do, tricky electrical repairs, check engine light problems, stuff like that. And that, that was his specialty. And he's also a writer, instructor, lecturer. Uh, he kept his repair shop for about 35 years. He sold his shop. He still writes for Motor Age magazine and P10 magazine and, he, and for Haynes repair manuals. But he, when he was on the program, Oh, I don't know, six or eight months ago, maybe. One of the reasons I wanted to have him on, because we're like everybody in the world, we're sort of friends on Facebook, and you kind of see what's going on. And Gonzo had a heart attack. And, uh, you know, he, you know, people of a certain age, and you can pick whatever that age is, you got to worry about that sort of stuff. And I said, you know, this is kind of a good spinoff of, just like you have to take care of your car, you have to take care of yourself. And here's a guy who took care of everybody's cars, took care of everybody's problems, maybe didn't take care of himself so well. And I might fall into that same category. So I wanted to have him on and talk about the business and his business that he had and some of the tricky stuff he had. And he actually wrote a book called, um, Hey, I Found the Loose Nut, which uh, in the repair shop business, um, you know, sometimes the joke was when somebody came out with a problem car it was hey the problem is to loosen up behind the wheel so the owner sometimes is sometimes the problem but he wrote that book and if you want to find out uh, more about the book it's gonzostoolbox.com but he on the show he said this is the first time I've mentioned it he said I'm going to sell my big piece of property I'm going to sell my house where my wife and I are thinking about buying a big motorhome and we're going to travel the country and have fun and we're going to retire well, uh, this, this week on Thursday, he sends me an email. Hi, I just thought I'd say hi to you. It's been a while. Well, plans have changed again. Looks like the motorhome idea is out. My wife's knee is totally a mess. Her knee, knee was removed two months ago because of an infection. We're waiting for the infection to run its course, probably another month or so. According to the doctors, then she'll be able to get another knee put on. So the house sale and future plans are in limbo again. And he says to me, uh, looks like we may just take off to Mexico or Portugal next year, maybe, which of course is based on medical issues. As far as the automotive world, I'm still writing and doing manuals for different companies, which I can which I can continue even out of the country. Local job market is the pits. Unless you are twenty unless you are twenty something and don't mind corporate BS and have a background of a fifty year old with thirty years experience, it's tough to get a job. He says I've struck tons of stuck tons and tons of resumes out there and filled out numerous applications for everything from general manager to service writers all of which come back with the usual I'm sorry but we're not considering you for this position and he says let's 
face the facts. It's my age. I'm over 60 with a medical history of open heart surgery. Then he goes, LOL, laugh out loud. Oh, well, that's the way it goes. You'd think someone with my background and qualifications wouldn't have a problem, but that's not the way it works out here. My wife and I are ready to pack it in. Our huge property with all the land to take care of in this big house are just too much work anymore. And I think he's got his own pond. I think he fishes in his own pond. And he says, time to take things at a different pace. So I imagine we'll be downsizing and throwing in the towel for a leisure life of tequila and tacos. Doesn't sound bad to me. In the meantime, I'll be writing and doing my usual conventions, radio spots. I can still do that. And he says, you know, if you know of any writing gigs, let me know. Uh, Keep in touch. Um, He says, uh, I'll stay home and take care of the wife and and work from the house just like I've been doing since I sold my shop. Keep in touch, Gonzo. And again, if you want to find out more information about his little tips and stuff, it's gonzostoolbox.com. But he's a good guy and kind of faced with a a problem that a lot of people sometimes get faced with, that they're in a they're in in the trade and they decide they either want to get out of it or they decide they get bored and want to get back into it and they have have some trouble i always i always thought that someday if i ever retire uh doing something simple i was it was funny i was on i did a little radio program down in south attleboro this tuesday or wednesday i forget which uh, thursday actually and uh i was uh the radio station is next to an auto parts store so I walk by the auto parts store and the, the doors open, the delivery doors open, and there's three guys, probably about my age. And they're just talking about nonsense and parts and all of that. And I kind of looked at it and said, you know, here's some guys that kind of like what they do. Doesn't seem to be a lot of pressure. They get to go in shops and kind of talk and see what's going on. They picked up a few parts. They drive around. They seem to be pretty happy. And I'm like, you know, that's not a half bad retirement job. You, you know, it doesn't seem a lot of pressure. Do it when you want. I don't know. Not 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 a not a horrible idea. So, you know, we'll have to see. Well, Florida, not like the rest of us. Oh boy. <laughs> uh it wants to be the wants to be the hotbed of autonomous vehicle technology. And this comes out of Orlando uh, through Automotive News. And it says, 50 years after Florida's uh, rally for the moonshot, the state's government and industrial leaders have uh, coalesced around the idea of breakthrough technology to be deployed closer to home. Executives and elected officials have sought to make Florida a hotbed of activity in the development of self-driving technology, a location uh, as synonymous with the next generation in transportation as Silicon Valley or Detroit. These efforts underway for years reached a crescendo in recent, recent months. Uh, last month, uh, Starsky Robotics, a Silicon Valley startup, used a nine-and-a-half-mile stretch of Florida's turnpike to conduct the first test of a self-driving truck with no human on board in everyday traffic. Uh, also in June, Governor Ron DeSantis signed legislation to clarify definitions around automated vehicle technology and ensured the industry-friendly foundation for testing and deployment. Every other place they test self-driving vehicles, they have to have a safety driver on board. Florida, because it's not like the rest of us, said, you don't need to do that. You can just go let it go out and drive on its own. And maybe considering some of the weird crashes that happens down there, maybe having cars that drive themselves in Florida might not be a bad idea. But as and there's a couple theme parks that they can do stuff with. That's right. That's right. So maybe just have a, a vehicle that goes to a theme park. Speaking of not really a theme park, but in Las Vegas, AAA for a year sponsored a self-driving shuttle. 
and within the first day or two of it being out on the road and it basically just drove up and down the strip and dropped people off um, within the first day or two it got into a crash and a year later the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration or the other agency that looks at all kinds of crashes whoever, whoever they are um, said well we know the answer and, and I said the whole time, everybody was blaming the self-driving shuttle. And I did a little bit of research and found out that actually a vehicle backed into the shuttle, a delivery truck backed into the shuttle, and that's how the crash happened. It was very minor and nobody got hurt. But it made national news all around the country. And I said, you know, they had this billion dollar, and probably wasn't a billion, but a multi, multi-million dollar self-driving shuttle that had all this crazy technology on board, and apparently it didn't have a horn. And what happened was it pulled up behind this truck, and this truck backed into it. And But if it had a horn, it would have beeped the horn, and the truck driver would have heard it and stopped and not backed into it. But apparently it can drive itself down the road, it can avoid pedestrians, and it can stop but it doesn't have a horn. Hmm. I don't know if you noticed, and this is not a political statement, but if you noticed uh, the the North Korean guy when he was at, uh, when Trump was out visiting, he was in a Maybach limousine, and sort of, you're not supposed to sell stuff to North Korea, apparently. And uh, Daimler, the people that own Maybach, were among those who were puzzled to see that uh, that Kim and his entourage rode to meetings with uh, President Trump and Russian President Putin this year in a Mercedes SUV and two hand-built Maybachs. Uh, the dictator's been spotted cruising around in a Rolls-Royce Phantom as well. Um, an investigation by the New York Times and the Center for Advanced Defense Studies details a four-month trip with stops in... That's how stuff happens. It stopped in five countries... It was taken by two um, armored Maybach sedans that were worth about a half a million dollars each. Their meandering journey began by road, sea, and air, and it actually began in 2018 in the Netherlands. And it's unclear who bought the cars originally and where the report published last week said, but they arrived in Rotterdam by truck inside sealed containers. Then they traveled to four different ships, stopping at ports in China, Japan, and South Korea before apparently being airlifted from Russia into North Korea in October. At the same time, cargo planes that carry Kim's cars on foreign trips, uh, South Korean authorities later seized a ship that took the cargo uh, cars to Russia on suspicion of uh, sanctions violations. So, weird long trip for all that to happen. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. We don't have time to do trivia. We'll do that next week. I promise we'll be back in the studio. Uh, but if you want to call in right now, 617-770-3030. We'll be right back.
and welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. Uh, remember, you can listen to uh, previous programs on uh, johnapaul.podbean.com, or you can find us on you can yeah, Google Car Doctor, and you'll find me or the guy in New Jersey, one or the other. And uh, but you can find it on iHeart and Stitcher and TuneIn and whatever Apple calls their podcasts these days. And I think we have uh, Dawn on the line. Good morning. You're on the Car Doctor program. Yes. Good morning. I have an 07 Dodge Caravan, and it has an issue when it starts. If I don't let the key stay at, uh, so the fuel pump is running before I kick on the ignition, it doesn't catch. It seems to be a delay. It'll just crank, and that's it. But it does start. It's Mm -hmm. just that there's this delay issue. I didn't know whether it's a crankshaft position sensor or a fuel pump that's losing its pressure. Yeah, I I would put a I would put a fuel pump gauge a fuel pressure gauge on it and see if there's the 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 fuel pump's getting a little bit tired to see if there's too much fuel returning back to the fuel pump. So in other words, it's not it's not charging up the fuel rail the way it should be. It a crankshaft position sensor, it'll crank, 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 and it won't make any difference if you leave the key on or off. To me, it sounds like what you're doing by holding the key on, turning it on the on position, is you're charging the fuel rail, and it really should only take about a half a half a crank for that fuel rail to get a full charge. So, I want to say it's probably either a bad fuel pump or it could be a bad line coming off the fuel rail aha uh-huh. yeah. the line that's that's another yeah, thing so, okay yeah, so, okay so you know maybe maybe look at that but i would i would want to get i would want to uh find a way to hook a, a fuel pressure tester up to that see what the fuel pressure is uh, you, as soon as you turn the key on it should it should, uh, you know, snap up to, you know, 40 or 50 pounds of fuel pressure. And if it's not doing that, you, you know, it could be, it does, um, when it is running and it's, and it's in the, and the van's quiet and it's all, can you hear the fuel pump running? No. No? Okay. Because some of those actually, as the pump started to fail, you could actually hear a little whir coming from the back of, you know, because of, you know, pumps mounted right at the top of the tank. You can no, hear it a little. It sounds normal. It, it sounds, sounds normal. Okay. Okay. All right. But still, it's one hundred ten thousand miles on it. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be all that unusual to need a pump. So. Right. Yeah. Okay. okay. I uh, right. I trust your professionalism. All right. Well, uh, you know, people have gotten trouble trusting me before, so. Uh, I haven't. All right. <laughs> You've been all right. Okay. <laughs> all right. You you take care of yourself now. Let us know how you Thank make you, out. John. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye bye. Well, we have a couple minutes left, but I know our buddy Sully is in the studio. How do you know that? Since you're not I, here, since you're absent without leave, uh, I'm yeah, but I, I'm virtually here. It's not like I'm a recording. Yeah, you sound good. Yeah, it's uh, which unspecified well, bunker are you in? Today? Uh, I'm 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 in uh, I'm in apparently the tornado capital <laughs> of the East Coast. Do you have power? Cape, you Cape must, Cod. Right? I, I have. Yeah, I was actually. I my intention was I was going to come into the studio because I didn't think we had power or internet service, which I need both to actually be able to do yeah. this correctly. And um, I have a, a a webcam that I keep here so I can 
look out the window and see what the weather's like. And uh, <laughs> it must and have been it, fun. <laughs> well, it, it it all it really showed was, oh look, it's a nice day. Oh look, it's raining. Oh look, it's raining a lot. And then all of a sudden, it all went out. So I never actually got to see the tornado. Yeah. Um, which is, which apparently, um, was pretty intense. Yeah. Uh, I yeah I was fortunate that it just took down a tree in front of my house. So um, the electric company when they hooked the wiring back up which is why I'm here, because they were kind enough to hook the wires back up, um, left a left a whole bunch of tree in front of my house. So I'm mm-hmm. um, hoping that uh, down the street there's somebody with a big chipper and a bucket truck, and I have I hope I have enough money with me to be able to pay him to clean it up. Well, it's funny because um, my yard was the epicenter of the Great Rentham tornado of 2004. Mm-hmm. You might remember mm-hmm. that. Um, and I lost, I think, three trees in my property. And literally a half hour after the tornado left town, there were four guys on my um, on my porch asking uh, for you know to yeah. to cut the trees up. So yeah, do you let them bid against each other? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, actually, <laughs> yeah. But that's no, the, we, that's the American spirit of entrepreneurship. Yeah. That's that, well, the guy who's he, the guy who's here is actually from like your neck of the woods, either like Rentham or Hopkinton or somewhere out that way. At least that's what it says on the side of his truck. And I and I and I, he's here with a couple of trucks. And I I think he actually oh tornado. Let's go down and see if we can make yeah. some money. And, yeah, good for you know, and, I love and that. good for him. Yeah, my yeah yeah. It's a, it's a little ugly down here still, but I, for the most of the Cape. Come on down. It's beautiful, and it'll, it's uh, enjoy enjoy your vacation. Uh, it's just my neighborhood is the only place that seems to be bad. So, <laughs> as always, as always, yeah. Well, that music means we need to step aside. The very best in Irish music is coming up with Paul Sullivan and the Irish Hit Parade, followed by Matt and the Bailey Cayley. After that, so a great afternoon and evening of Irish music here on AM nine fifty WROL, the Spirit of Boston. Until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, and be good to your car. Talk to you all next week. Bye bye.